You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production. Well, good morning, church. How are we? Great. If you have your copy of God's Word, would you open to Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21, will be our text for today, Lord willing, and my notes would work. We are going to find out shortly. It's about to be a short sermon. Just kidding. They're working. Um, with that, we jump off into the end of an incredible year. I pray that 2023 has been good for you. And what I mean by good, I mean that it, I pray that it has brought you closer to our Father. Uh, I pray that whether the situations that he has trusted to you and allowed you to walk through, whether they were enjoyable or less than enjoyable, that both of them would equally, as we know God's will for our life, draw us closer to him. Uh, and, and maybe it is through laughter that that has been true for you. Uh, maybe it is through tears of sorrow and grief that has been true for you. Um, but, but whatever it is, I, I'm thankful that we get to walk in this life together. I'm thankful that, that truly over the course of this last year, uh, I've watched our church, and I pray that you have as well, become a church that is a united family of faith, that, that is joining Jesus on his mission for the glory of God and the good of our communities. And, and with that, I, I want to, to encourage you from, from my vantage point as, as, as pastor at Broadmoor, but also as a, a fellow servant to the Lord Jesus Christ, that I believe that I see that becoming more real in who we are and what we do, not just when we meet uh, here on a Sunday or a Wednesday or a Sunday night, I, but, but in the, the every day and every aspect of our life. Like I, I see it becoming more joyfully a part of our life uh, where we are joyfully joining Jesus on his mission and his mission is to usher in his new kingdom. And the mission of Christ is to, to seek and to save the lost. It is the mission of Christ to, to build up his church to care for one another physically. Like, that's been a beautiful thing to see over the course of this year. Um, to, to, to be on the inside, getting a chance to look out, to see how people in our faith family and those that are outside the faith family, but even still in this community, that when we hurt as a community, we all hurt. When we rejoice singularly as a community, someone in our community, our whole community rejoices together. And that's beautiful as we are caring for one another. I also see a depth to our spirituality as we are continuing to press in in our relationship with Jesus Christ, as we are guiding one another in the truth of God's word. That, that's a beautiful thing to see. And then, and this is where I pray today will be beneficial, because I see this, but I want it to be more so today, that in our caring and our guiding, that there's always going to be an encouragement. And the encouragement is to always be more obedient or take next steps in our obedience to what Christ has called us to do. Because we know that whatever he tells us to do is always going to be for God's glory, and it's always going to be for our good. And so in that, we are going to care, guide, and encourage with one another. Now, as we get to today's text, we could have done anything. It is, it is a standalone message. It's not part of Advent. It's not part of next week as we jump into the Ten Commandments. I pray that you will, will be here over the course of the next ten weeks as we get to look at those. And I pray it's going to be good for us. 
But today could have been anything. And so as I'm praying and I'm seeking the Lord, Lord, what, what do you have for us today? Of, of all of the 66 books, which book will we, we read from? What, what verses in that book are you going to have for us today? And I believe with all that I am, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, is our text that we need to allow to, to resonate in our hearts. And simply, here's why. The Apostle Paul writes to a church that he loves. Just, just a little context before we jump into the preaching of the text. This is written in about 60 AD, about the same time as a few other letters uh, of Philemon and Colossians uh, and, and Philippians. And so we, we see this letter here when Paul is in his first Roman imprisonment. Now, again, we, we look back over the courses of those New Testament letters. Paul didn't know he was going to get out. So as he sits there, there's a bit of of homesickness, and there's a, there's a bit of, well, I don't know if I have tomorrow guaranteed to me. So when he writes, he is going to write in a sense of finality. Finality in the sense of if he has one more chance to speak to a group of people that he loves, what is he going to tell them? And this is what we have before us. Well, we, we also see that at the beginning of the Ephesian church, some pretty wild things happened. So, so it wasn't that he was just fond of a church that he knew of. He was a part of this church's planting. So if you were to go back, and you don't have to today, but you may want to write this down to go check the reference, Acts chapter 19. This is Paul's missionary work in Ephesus, and some pretty amazing things happened during that season of Paul's ministry, like absolutely wild things. And so now we're removed from that. So if that was 53 AD, whenever he plants this church, and we're now in 60 AD, we're about seven years removed. And he could tell them anything. He could gift them anything. But instead, as we get to the crescendo, which is kind of midway through this letter, we see that Paul wants them to know one thing, and he does it through a prayer. And that's what we pick up today. Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church. Now, to be clear, as we're studying God's Word, and I pray that we should always know this as well, even though this letter was not written to us, it is written from Paul to the church at Ephesus, this, this letter is for us. Like, we are to be encouraged by this letter. Now, with that, if you would, join me as we read verse 14 together. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Now, we're going to start and stop just so we can get full context and bring it all together at the end, okay? So the Apostle Paul says, as he begins this letter, that there's a reason that I'm going to bow my knees before the Father. This doesn't make much sense unless you know that the posture of prayer, particularly in the first century, but really for a lot of church history, was not to bow the knee. I know a lot of times our prayer life, we, we seem synonymous to, if we're going to pray, let's bow by our bedside and pray, or let's kneel at the altar, or let's kneel at the foot of the cross, even if we are thinking of it metaphorically in our mind. But the posture of prayer here in the first century that would be in view is a posture of standing and of lifting of hands. And so it would be this idea in the glory and the presence of the Father that we are going to stand, we're going to open our hands, and we are going to be ready to receive whatever the Father has for us. That would be the posture that would be in view here. So when Paul writes that for this very reason I bow my knee before the Father, this is something that is a little bit unheard of, a little bit unprecedented. And in this, Paul is painting a picture of something different than they would know. Bowing the knee is a sign of, of great humility. 
and really in awe of who the Father is. So the question is, what is Paul about to pray that would cause him to do this, to drop to his knees and to pray? Well, it is beautiful and it's powerful. Look what he has to say, verse 15. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So when he speaks about the Father, he addresses God as the one who has created and put his name on every family in heaven and on earth. So don't move so fast past this, this moment of, of magnitude that we see in the Scriptures. Every family, every soul ever created bears his name and his likeness. All right, when we pray, when you pray for people, when you pray, if you get into the imprecatory prayers, when you pray against people, do you see them as fellow image bearers? Like whenever we see the whole entire world, the totality of it, every human that has ever been, every human that is, every human that will ever exist, all bears the image and the likeness of our Father in heaven. They have the Imago Dei. And so Paul sees this and he, he, he literally falls to his knees in awe of that great thought. And then in verse 16, he goes on to say that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your interbeing. Now, according, out of, equal to the riches of his glory. This is, this is the pool and the ability and the resources that God has to draw from. This is what Paul's saying. So out of that, out, out of your glory, God, may he grant to you, brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul has set this prayer up where he could ask anything because the pool in which he's drawing from is infinite. So what does Paul believe is the most important thing for the church in the first century? I would even say 2,000 years later, I believe this is still the same A1 importance. What is the most important thing for us today as brothers and sisters, individually and collectively? Here's what the Apostle Paul says. To be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul's prayer is for each individual follower of Christ to be strengthened with God's power on the inside. Why would God pray that? Now, uh, why would Paul pray that to God? Now, I want to be clear, okay? Because we get to the end of a year and we start a new year tomorrow. Now, I don't know how you're doing with your New Year's resolutions, but you only have a few more hours to get those bad boys in. Many of us, we, we, have, we have resolved last year, January 1st, I resolve it that I will be 10 pounds down by the time I get to 2024. And most of us are 15 pounds away from our goal. Some of us a little more. With these resolutions, it would feel like in the world that we live in, and maybe, maybe this has even been, been seen in what you pray for, God, if you would just work in my life and cause me to stop or start, stop and fill in the blank with whatever the things that you think that you're doing that you shouldn't, God, I, I need your help here, or, or maybe you, you start to pray for the things that you know you should be doing, but you're not doing, and so all of those blanks, you begin to fill those in and you say, God... I'm not saying that those aren't important, but what I am telling you that Paul could have prayed for those things and he didn't. Instead, he prays that God would strengthen the inner man. 
That God would strengthen the inner person, that God would come in and strengthen your heart right where you are from the inside out. Why? Why would, why would Paul pray for that? Look at verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, the word dwell here may be a little misleading after almost 2,000 years of cultural separation. Many times we read this and we think, now, now, Pay attention because the nuance is small, but the implication is huge, okay? Many times we think wrongly that Jesus is to come and live in our heart as if it were our house that we are inviting him into. Maybe the sentiment is something like this. Jesus, come and live in my heart. I hope that you like it. And whether you say this or not, many times we, we live like this. Jesus, come and live in my heart. I've tried really hard to get my life together so you'll be happy to live in the heart that I'm inviting you in. I know we wouldn't say that, but how many times do we do that? All right, here's, here's where I think that that's, that's wrong. This word dwell is something totally different of an idea than that. Jesus isn't coming into our house that we've made nice for him. Jesus is coming into his house that he has paid in full for. Now, I, I know the nuance is small, but listen, the implication is huge because a lot of times we think that we are allowing him into a rented room. No, 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 church. If we have trusted our life to Jesus Christ, then we are inviting him in to his house to do what he sees fit. And so this word dwell, it really means to take up residence and make whatever it is their own. And so we're not inviting Jesus into something we've set up for him. We're inviting Jesus in, honestly, in something that was dead, that he breathed life into, and he comes and he takes up residence on the throne room of our heart, and he begins to decorate it the way that he desires most beneficial. That could be why 2023 has been a year that has brought you closer to him, but also has been nothing like you thought it would be. That, that maybe God has brought your life in a different direction or brought things into your life that you never expected and they caused you great angst because you weren't looking for that. You, that, that wasn't on your card for this is what's going to happen in 2023. All the while, you are more closer to Christ today than you've ever been. It's because Jesus comes in and his residence is our life. Church, we are bought with a price. We are not our own. We belong to him. Paul goes on to pray in his prayer. Look at the end of verse 17. That you may be rooted and grounded in love. Verse 18. And may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. This is the heart of Paul's prayer for the church. He says, I, I want you to have the strength to be able to comprehend. And that's only going to be able to come through the Father. And I want you to, to be able to comprehend as, as all the saints. So if we could all understand this together, how much God loves you in Jesus. And then Paul kind of gives these dimensions that, that aren't necessarily there for us to measure, but they're there to help us understand that it cannot be measured. So Paul says, I want you to understand something that's almost unimaginable. I want you to understand how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is to you. But I know you're never going to get it. But I want you just to get a glimpse of it. Verse 19 goes on to explain that a little bit more. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. 
Like I could almost see Paul sitting in incarceration as he is, he is arrested and he has been so for a while and he's writing this letter. He's like, God, I just want him to know. I just want him in your word and the old time, just taste and see that you are good. But God, I, I know they're never going to fully do that. We can't, we can't fully do that. But God, just give them a taste. Just let them know. Paul says, I know the love of Jesus is too much for you to understand. But I want you to understand it just a little bit. Because when you do, when you get a glimpse of God's love for you, look at verse 19 as it continues, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This, this idea of fullness of God, Paul, Paul wants the church to know and to believe that they are, I know we say this a lot, so, so don't miss it when I say it, but allow this to, to wash over you yet again. Paul wants the church to know and believe that they are already completely loved by God. I know that sounds elementary, but if you come out of a religious background that says you must earn God's love or you must earn God's affection in some way to be able to keep it over and over and over again, that's not being fully known and fully loved. That's being fully known and conditionally loved. The Bible speaks to us a better word, that we are fully known in Christ, that when we come, Christ sees all that we are, and when we surrender our life to him, then we are unconditionally loved, meaning that we don't have to do anything to gain God's affection because Christ has gained God's affection for us. So I, just want you to, I just want you to know that. I want, I want that to resonate in your heart because if, if that's true, if, if you actually believe that, then it will change everything about how you live life. Paul wants the church to know and believe that they are already completely loved by God, apart from anything that they've done or ever will do. Jesus proves that. So with knowing that, that we are already, through Christ, fully loved and accepted by God, what will we do? How will we live? Listen to Paul's encouragement as he ends this prayer. Verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Look, I, I know, I know today is a big day, for it is the end of a year, and we're on the precipice of a brand new year, and we don't quite know what it's going to hold. If the last couple of years tell us anything, there's some big stuff this year. There's going to be stuff that we celebrate, and there's going to be some stuff that maybe we don't. But we can rest assured, church family, that Jesus is sovereign over it all. There's never going to be a thing that we see or, or experience or take part in that is going to catch God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in heaven off guard. They don't sit there in heaven and say, I didn't see that coming. What are we going to do? They are sovereign over all things. And so as we, in a much shortened service today, move towards our end and our worship team comes back up, church, I, I want to encourage you with this. I want to I give you this encouragement here. Church, this is true. God loves us. Like, I, I know you know that, but, but, but truly, 
It's not God loves them. Or God loves that family who has it together. Or God loves this group because they, they are more holy than I. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, the fullness of God's love rests on you. There's nothing that you can do to shake that or move that or lose that. If you say, Josh, I don't understand how that's true, go back, Roman series, all about that. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing in heaven and on earth or under the earth. There's nothing that somebody can do or something that you can do to separate you from the love of God because of Jesus Christ, if we've surrendered to him. But if Paul is going to pray this prayer for a church that he doesn't know if he's going to see again, and he wants them to have this thing, this thing to hang on to. Again, I don't, I don't want to overstate it, but I don't think this is overstating the point. He gives them one thing to hang on to until eternity. Because he doesn't know if he sees them again. This is a church that he loves, that he was a part of planning. Go back to Acts 19 and see the miraculous things that God did to start this church. Paul sees that in full view. He could have prayed anything, and this is what he prays. That God is able to do far more abundantly than we ask, think, or imagine because of Christ dwelling in us. Church, how does that affect how you're going to engage this new year? Now we're going to move into a time of response and we're going to sing a song together. But I pray in this response time, I, I know that in this room, we, we have a lot of thoughts about the future. Some of them good, some of them nervous, some of them maybe they're just blank at the moment. Here's what I'm going to encourage you to do today. To take God's word as gospel truth. Even as we are going to sing in just a moment, maybe, maybe you need to not sing words that are on the screen. Maybe your eyes need to go back to Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all, all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. What are you asking and thinking about? In no way is this a prosperity moment, but in every way this is a kingdom moment. That if we are a united family of faith joining Jesus on his mission to usher in the new kingdom, what are you praying for? What are you asking God? What are you thinking about? God can do that and then some. If I've learned anything about myself in 2023 is that my prayers are far too small. That my thoughts are far too weak. I pray that you would join me as we think through this coming year and we begin to pray bigger and bolder prayers, not for anything of ourselves, but everything for the glory of God and the good of our communities. So here's how I'm going to make it, or attempt to make it most real to us today. What you know about your community today, kind of a fun date to remember. One, two, three, one, two, three. 
what do they most need today? And I know we're at church, and, but we don't have Sunday school today, so you can't use the answer, Jesus. Right, but what about him? Maybe, maybe you need to, 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 to get the circle a little bit smaller. What are the people that you do life with the most need? When you close your eyes, who is the spirit bringing before you? What do they need? Is it help in their marriage? Help in relationships? Help at work, finances, addiction, parenting? Is it help in understanding the word? Is it help in, in living out a real faith? Is it, help, is it, is it, is it needing help in, in being a man or woman of integrity? What do they need? Do they need encouragement? Are they walking through a hard season? Did they, did they just experience a loss that they've never told anybody, but maybe the Spirit's showing you that they have a need there? How are you going to pray? What are you going to ask? How are we going to move? Paul goes on to say that our thoughts and our prayers and our dreams, verse 21, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That through everything that we do, everything we take part in, all that we pray, all that we dream, all that we say, all that we are in, may his name be made great in the church throughout his world throughout all generations, forever and ever. Church, you are fully known and you are fully loved. I pray that this is the confidence that we have as we embark in a brand new year. That we don't have to hide from our Father in heaven. There's nothing that we can hide from him. And we don't have to act we don't have to do something to gain his affection we've already gotten it through Christ so now we are free as sons and daughters of our father in heaven as, as our brother Jesus Christ as, as, we are, as we are marching on as we are advancing this kingdom we are free to be obedient to his word not out of fear that God is going to be mad at us and not out of fear that God's not going to love us enough but because we are fully known and fully loved we can go into the world that is in desperate need to hear that God loves them church will you join me in that this year that we would be a united family of faith, joining Jesus on his mission for the glory of God and the good of our communities. As we move in this invitation time, I pray that the Spirit would move in your hearts and your minds today, showing you who the people are that you need to pray for right now. Be praying for them. By name, to the Father, pray for him right now. Maybe it's somebody sitting next to you. Maybe it is your spouse sitting next to you, your kids sitting next to you. Pray for them by name. Pray bold prayers, big prayers. He can do abundantly, immeasurably more than we could ever hope, ask for, or imagine. And when he does, may his name be made great here and to the ends of the earth throughout eternity. Church, would you pray with me? Father, we do love you and we thank you for today. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the gift of your word that we have 
not only had a chance to journey through over the course of these last 52 weeks, but Lord, I pray most every day that it's in our hearts that keep us from sinning against you. It's a light into our path that allows us to see where there's not much to be seen. It allows us to know you, to hear from you, and to be with you. I ask now, Father, that as we move into this response time and we sing together and our hearts are united in a song of truth, Spirit, would you move across this room, stirring in our hearts and mind affections for those that are around us, God, that we may partner, God, with the Spirit and you, God, as we go into this world to let them know that there's this glorious gospel message of Jesus Christ that we get the honor of being ambassadors with and for. So help us be faithful stewards of that. Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name that we pray, and we now stand and respond. Church, would you stand with me?